Is not life on earth a drudgery? Those are the words of Job from the first reading. He describes long days waiting for rest at night and then long restless nights waiting for the dawn. He complains that time moves too slowly. He's waiting for it to pass. And then he complains when he finds it slip away. He says, my days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle. Do you recognize those contradictory sentiments? Waiting for time to pass and then alarmed when it slips away so quickly. Contrast that with a day in the life of Jesus. That's what we just heard in today's gospel. Actually, we heard just part of a day in the life of Jesus. It began with last Sunday's gospel. When Jesus went to the synagogue, he taught with authority and he cast out that impure spirit. Today's gospel picks up as he leaves the synagogue. He goes to Peter and Andrew's house, and there he heals Peter's mother-in-law. Now, if that were me, I would stop right there. That's a good day. He's already taught in the synagogue, cast out a demon, and healed someone. That's a trifecta. I mean, I would say, close up shop. Let's go to Guapos. It's been a good day's work, right? You, you teach, you heal someone, you cast out a demon. That's, that's all in a day's work. But that's just the beginning for Jesus. He shares a Sabbath meal with the disciples. And after the sun falls, the whole town gathers around the door. And he goes out one by one, healing them, ministering to them until late into the night. Then he rises early the next morning. He goes off to a deserted place to be with the Father, to be restored in the Father's presence and to receive vision for the new day. And that's where Peter finds him. He says, Master, everyone's looking for you. Come back to town. They want more of what you gave them yesterday. And he says, no, we have to press on. We have to press on to other towns and villages. There too, I need to go and preach and heal. That's 24 hours in the life of Christ. Wouldn't you love to live with that kind of intensity and purpose? Last Monday, Father Juan Ignacio, Father Max, and I went to go visit the Naval Academy in Annapolis. And I reflected as I was there that one of the things that draws so many young people there is the intensely structured life, the discipline that, that, that's imposed upon them when they're there. They're up at 5 in the morning, classes all morning, they break for a quick lunch, then back to study in the afternoon, 4 to 6 p.m. they have physical training, dinner, and then they study until they go to bed at night, Monday through Friday, for four years. And, and I think that they're drawn to that structure. And at the same time, they loathe it. They're, they're waiting for the weekend, waiting to be able to, to get off base, waiting for the four years to end. Well, where does this desire for an intensely structured life come from. It comes from the intuition that we were created for some great purpose and the perception that we don't have the strength to carry it out. We, so leave, we live frustrated because we have some, at least some vague intuition of the greatness to which we're called. And we have the daily experience of our own frailty, our incapacity to carry out our resolutions.
So we think, well, it's better to submit myself to some regimen, some external constraint, than to settle for mediocrity and frustration. And I, I think that is actually a very wise response. And yet Jesus in the gospel today teaches us a still higher way. Look at Jesus. His life is so full. And yet he never gives the sense of rushing, of being scattered or hurrying from one place to the next. Wouldn't you like to live with that sense of calm intensity? as opposed to oscillating between frenetic activity and boredom. Well, in today's gospel, Jesus gives us three keys to make the most of every day. And the first one is don't blow past people. Look how attentive Jesus is to each person. The, the, the story begins with last Sunday's gospel there in the synagogue. He's teaching, and this man begins to some, show some signs of demonic possession. He interrupts the service, and, and rather than being annoyed, Jesus stops, and he turns all his attention to this man. He deals with what he's going through. And then he goes to invest in his few disciples. He goes to the house of Simon and Andrew, together with James and John. In the midst of the crowds, Jesus dedicates himself to a few, and he spends time with them. He goes to visit their family's home to know them. The disciples have just begun to follow him, and so he's still building these bonds with them. When he's there, immediately they bring him to Simon's mother-in-law, and, and he goes to her. He takes her by the hand, lifts her up, and heals her. And when the crowds of people gather at the door, he doesn't wave his hand at them and heal them all in one stroke. He goes to them one by one, he places his hands on them. He sympathizes with their suffering. He knows them. He loves them. How do you treat people when you feel like you have too much to do? Do you begin to treat them like pawns or obstacles? When you get to that point, you're not far from burning out. Because every person that we encounter is like a spring of energy, even needy, difficult people. Because a person, and only a person, is, a capable, is capable of awakening love. And love is the fuel of our lives. It's what allows us to continue living with intensity. So neglecting people for the sake of efficiency is, is self-defeating. One, because you're going to run out of steam eventually. Just checking things off a to-do list, it can only motivate you for so long. But love can sustain you, and love comes from encountering people. So don't rush past people. Let those personal encounters stir up and strengthen your love. The second lesson that we learn from this day in the life of Christ is to gain clarity in prayer. Jesus leaves the town behind him, and he goes away to a deserted place to spend time with his Father, to listen, to worship, to be renewed in his presence. You know, there are a thousand things that Jesus could do every day, a thousand good things. He knows that he has three years to carry out his whole life's work. 
And, and there's a whole town of people behind him begging for him to return. And there's a whole world that he's barely explored. There are a thousand things he could do every day. So he takes time at the beginning of the day to discover the one thing that the Father has for him. What is the Father's will? And, and that allows him to make clear, bold decisions. So when Peter comes to him and tells him, everyone's looking for you, and he feels the, the, the intense demands of the people behind him, he can make a clear decision and say, no, we have to press on. For this reason, I was sent. For this purpose, I've come. There's an incredible power that comes from knowing that I've been sent by the Father with a purpose. That this day, He has a specific will for me. So do you know what your priorities are? Do you know what you're about, what your life is about? Well, that comes from prayer. It might not be that the Lord reveals it to you all at once, but if you spend time with Him every day, at the beginning of every day, you'll begin to know who you are and what your priorities are and what God's will is for your life. So the second lesson is gain clarity in prayer. And the third lesson is define your time. Define your time. A superficial view of Christ's life could, could lead us to believe that he was like a leaf in the wind, right? Just drifting from one town to the next, wherever his fancy took him, haphazardly ministering to people as they crossed his path. But if we pay close attention to the gospel, we'll find that he directed himself according to a well-defined plan. For example, when he sends out the 72, he sends them out to the towns and villages that he himself was going to visit. That is to say, he knew where he was headed. He had a strategy of how he was going to reach the people of Israel. And within his weekly rhythm, he had well-defined times to protect his priorities. So the gospel begins with him leaving the synagogue. When Jesus woke up on Saturday morning, he didn't wonder what he was going to do that day. He knew it was the Sabbath. He was going to the synagogue. Right? And, and there's another detail that we might miss if we don't know the context. But it says in the gospel that after sunset, they brought to him all who were ill. That is to say, when the Sabbath came to a close, he had his Sabbath meal with Peter and Peter's mother-in-law and the disciples there in the home. And when the Sabbath came to a close, then the people gathered outside the door and he went out to minister to them. Of course, we know that Jesus wasn't legalistic about the Sabbath, but neither was he brash about it. He wasn't quick to dismiss the demands of the Sabbath or to set aside the meaning of the Sabbath. It was only in obedience to a higher law, to the law of love, that he would allow the Sabbath law to be superseded. But Jesus was a faithful Jew, and he had time in his week carved out to protect his deepest priorities. So we need protected times in our lives, times for prayer, times to spend time with our family, times of concentrated study or work, we need time to plan, time to rest. Not every minute of our life, we, we, you know, we don't, we're not in the Naval Academy, 
But yes, we need a few foundational moments that are etched in stone, that are immovable. So I want to propose this. Why don't you come to Mass 30 minutes early, bring your notebook, and ask the Lord at the beginning of every week, Lord, what are your priorities for me? What do you have for me this week? As Jesus went at the very beginning of the day and he listened to the Father's voice and he gained clarity in the midst of so many possibilities, why don't you come and, and spend a few minutes? You, know, you, you could even start to ask him, Lord, where do you want me to place these times? Where do you want me to carve out times to pursue these priorities? Please don't bring your, your dual screens and your Google Calendar and you know, start working out the nitty-gritty. That will keep you very distracted throughout the whole Mass. But you know, bring your journal, and you can even bring a little paper calendar if you want. And, and, and try to find those times when you can listen to the Lord and do His will. If we take time to connect with people and to connect with God, we'll begin to live every day to the fullest.